You're listening to Sermons at FCC Moorhead, a podcast of sermons preached at First Christian Church in Moorhead, Kentucky. A congregation in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ tradition, we are a faith community seeking to live out Christ's call of hospitality and shalom. I'm Reverend Nancy Galler, minister at FCC, and each week we'll post the latest sermon preached from our pulpit. Most weeks you'll hear my voice, but from time to time you'll find guest preachers on this podcast too. Thanks for listening. I know it feels a little late to observe All Saints Day, even though celebrating on the first Sunday of November is traditional. After all, All Hallows' Eve was Monday, and I've nearly run out of my secret stash of Halloween candy. The official feast day, All Saints Day, dates back to the 8th century when it was set for November 1st for All Saints and November 2nd for All Souls, the day to remember all the faithful departed. All Saints was created kind of as a clearinghouse of extra saints. You know, there are only so many days in the year you can celebrate saints. So you needed one for all those unnamed ones or all those ones that weren't fortunate enough to have a big feast day like, you know, St. Patrick or St. Francis or St. Nicholas, which is coming up on December 6th. Many Protestants through the years have looked with some suspicion upon such things, Concern that remembering saints might take our focus off of God somehow, or they were worried of placing too much emphasis upon individuals. The Baptist church of my childhood wouldn't have dreamed of celebrating All Saints Day. Now, I firmly believe, though, that one of the strengths of our disciples' tradition is our ecumenical impulse the desire that is in our church DNA to find unity among believers despite all of our denominational differences. And when it is at its best, that impulse leads us to recognize the wisdom of other faith traditions and practices. And it allows us to learn from our siblings in Christ as they seek the holy in their own worship traditions and in their mission in the world which brings us to the celebration of all saints with its roots in early christianity through the catholic and the eastern orthodox tradition and later on through the anglican and lutheran communions and beyond in those ancient practices of remembering the saints and then all the souls departed we are given a precious gift i think A glorious reminder that you and I, the living, breathing members of the church, we are in the minority. We are outnumbered by all those who have been pilgrims on this faith journey before us. And we are, in that beautiful New Testament view, a vibrant part of the body of Christ, the universal church, which is not limited by time or by space, which is a good thing. It's a good thing to remember that we did not get to this moment in our lives on our own. 
but we are carried forward by the faithfulness of generations before us who have been leading the way for us. The contemporary prayer book called Common Prayer, A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals includes this thought for All Saints Day. They write, however hard it might seem to follow the way of Jesus in our own time and place, this is a day to remember that we may be crazy, but we are not alone. Our gospel reading gives us a glimpse of the craziness that is the kingdom of God which Jesus proclaimed. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. This is not the blessed of the modern day hashtag blessed. It's not that churchy, watered down to a general good things happened to me because I was late to work and I just hit four green lights in a row kind of blessed. In fact, we struggle with a good English translation for the word. Blessed is hard for us to wrap our minds around, and it's not quite captured by the word happy. That seems a little bit underwhelming. Some scholars suggest that we might think of it as unburdened or satisfied, which opens up the sayings for us to explore a little differently. The poor, the hungry, the crying, the hated, or the ostracized in the kingdom of God, they are the ones who will be unburdened. Those are the ones who will be satisfied. In the realm of God, it's the hungry who are satisfied. It's the grieving who will be unburdened. Certainly doesn't mesh with the common understanding of who's satisfied in our culture today, does it? Satisfaction comes to the comfortable, to the successful, to the loved, to the contented, to the famous, those who can buy Twitter on a whim. They're the satisfied ones. But in God's harmony way, the realm of God, all of that gets turned upside down. All of our expectations are thwarted. Luke continues with Jesus' outlandish preaching, and he turns his words to the wealthy, to the satiated, to the laughing, to the acclaimed. Woe, Jesus says, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you'll be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, because you will weep. Again, thinking about that word woe, as we hold it up against the word blessed in those previous statements, woe doesn't mean cursed. And it doesn't mean unhappy. One scholar says to think of it as yikes. It's sort of like Scooby-Doo's Velma who says jinkies. It's meant to attract our attention, a way of saying Look out. Because if we're honest, these words of woe make us squirm, don't they? Because it becomes clear with each saying of Jesus that this is not a to-do list for us to accomplish. Jesus is not going out and saying to us, go make yourself poor. Or hop to it and make yourself hungry. Or stop laughing and start weeping. This is not a spiritual checklist to get into the kingdom of God. Rather, it's descriptive. 
It's painting a picture of this upside-down, topsy-turvy kingdom of God that Jesus has been proclaiming. He's painting this picture for us, extending an invitation to a new ethos, a set of values that are so very strange to us. Jesus holds up these radical kingdom values up against the values of our society and expects us to respond, yikes, as we scratch our heads and we wonder, why should the rich watch out? Why should the satisfied be on guard? Why should the laughing one stop in their tracks? This doesn't make any sense, Jesus. I imagine Jesus waiting, after he says these things, patiently waiting for that little light to click on in our minds, for us to get it, to grasp this alternative way of living that he's opening up for us. What if, what if we've understood blessings and woes the wrong way? What if money, food, comfort, security, what if those things are truly dangerous for our souls? What if what we've called blessings are in fact the things that are keeping us from experiencing the realm of God fully? What if our money separates us from freedom in God? What if our cupboards and refrigerators stocked with food are poisoning our ability to live in a healthy environment? What if our tendency to be cynical, to laugh at the world, closes us off from being vulnerable to one another? Yikes! This kingdom talk of Jesus is hard, and we cannot do it alone, which is where the saints come in for us, I think. The American philosopher Edith, I'm going to butcher her last name, Wiskagod, it's my best guess, in her book entitled Saints and Postmodernism, offers a revisioning of the idea of saints Saintliness, she writes, is a postmodern expression of excessive desire, a desire on behalf of the other that seeks the cessation of another's suffering and the birth of another's joy. I think that's kingdom living in a nutshell, isn't it? Relieving suffering and nurturing joy. The parable of the Good Samaritan becomes a parable of saintliness, of meeting the other in their suffering and bringing the possibilities of joy back again. When we observe All Saints Day, we are pushing back against the world's understanding of holiness and we are actively reminding ourselves of all those folks who have been swept up by the love of God in this radical kingdom living that Jesus is preaching. The great American social activist and writer William Stringfellow describes saints as, quote, those men and women who relish the event of life as a gift and who realize that the only way to honor such a gift is to give it away. That brings saintlyhood down to earth, doesn't it? 
saints. Oh, saints are this glorious mishmash of individuals who discovered the truth of Jesus' teaching that if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let your life go, you will save it. Today's celebration is a way for us to remind ourselves of all those who have gone before, those who have blazed trails, set examples, lived out the gospel when the way was difficult. Not only the saints with familiar names or the ones with gold halos and those medieval paintings, but those who, like the theologian Elizabeth Johnson calls them, are the, quote, splendid nobodies of the faith. The ones in small towns and cities who lived faithful lives of service. You know those, don't you? Those who in courageous acts worked against injustice and never got recognition for it. I love that term, splendid nobodies. I suppose because we all have those folks in our stories, don't we? Those folks we've known who in big ways and in small actions too embody the understanding that life is a gift. A gift that only flourishes when we give it away, not when we try to hide it under a bushel. The writer Paul Theroux in an interview with NPR several years ago spoke of the welcome that he received when traveling through the rural south as he was working on a book. He says, I was looking at a map in my car in a parking lot, and the woman in the car next to me said, you lost, baby? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm looking for this church. And she said, well, I can tell you. And I told her the name of the church, he says, and she says, I can take you there. Follow me. And she drove three miles out of her way to lead him to that church. As he thanked her for being so kind, she just smiled and said, be blessed, be blessed. I think Theroux may just have met a saint that day, one of those unnamed people of faith following the ways of Jesus, making the world a little kinder, one action at a time, making the world a little more welcoming, one smile at a time. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote, how monotonously alike are all the great tyrants and conquerors have been, and how gloriously different are the saints. Indeed, the guiding powers in this world, all the ones with all the influence, the money, all those folks we are told to look up to, perhaps underneath them they all have the same story of insecurities and fears and destructive narcissism. It's the same old boring story, those tyrants and barons of business who make all the headlines, who get all the biographies written about them, who get the profiles in the magazines. But their stories, their successes are so often thin, without depth or purpose beyond themselves. But saints, saints on the other hand, what a glorious hodgepodge of wonderfully grace-filled and shockingly odd folk. Beloved of God, blessed to be a blessing in the world around them. Do you have one of them in your life story? I'm sure you do. Maybe it's a parent or a teacher. Maybe it was a coach or a student. Maybe it's a neighbor. Someone who spread God's grace with abandon. And you caught it. 
someone whose life shaped who you are in this moment. This is a day to remember them, to celebrate the gifts of the such saints and to commit ourselves from this day forward to be like them, to be revealers of God's compassion in our daily living. When we embrace the communion of saints, this intimate connection we have with one another, with those living on earth in this moment, and with all those who have passed on, when we recognize that through the work of the Spirit and of God's grace, we are forever made one in the body of Christ. The vastness of God's project of kingdom living can be transformative. We are not alone. This is a feast day to celebrate splendid nobodies who touched the world for joy and who left trails of grace for the rest of us to follow. Thanks for listening. We hope you found inspiration today. To learn more about our congregation, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, be well, be kind, and always be the church where you are.